Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 115. Following a tough day at the office for the England boys against Wales, we take a look back and see what really happened. Spoiler alert, the rose-tinted glasses are back. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, it's been a tough week, particularly if you've got any Welsh colleagues. But, um, you know, we are here with our glasses on, our rose-tinted glasses, as always, to discuss the game in a lot more detail and, and hopefully bring you a little uh, light relief. And I'm joined by Dan to help with that. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. Um, yeah, my glasses are still as rosy as ever. Good. Um, yeah, still gutted by the defeat, but I think I've probably got a slightly more pragmatic view on it than perhaps I did uh, did on Saturday Saturday evening. I mean, I, I thought we were pretty we were pretty restrained. I mean, we came away and, and and we were quite humble, and we sort of said, "Do you know what? Better team won on the day; they deserved it." And we kind of left it at that. Uh, my view has changed, and we will discuss that. Um, yes. But, yeah. We- but, well, I was just going to say before we, this is going to be the main thing that we want to talk about that we suspect people want to hear about. So before we get into that, there's there's a few bits I think we probably want to do first, and then we can make this the the sort of the the bones of the no, not the bones, the meat of the episode. A um, <laughs> uh, couple of reviews, um, not surprisingly, a couple of comments. Um, start with the positive ones. <clears throat> Had an email from David Stockwell. He says, "Gents." To echo what one of your listeners said a couple of episodes ago, you're the only podcast I actually subscribe to and actively check for updates. It's a great listen, although my Scottish fiancé doesn't seem to think so after I subjected her to it on one of our Glasgow to Gloucester drives (laughs) to see my family last weekend. But what does she know? She thought Wales might actually beat England. Oh yeah, about that. (laughs) For me, the most disappointing aspect was the lack of any clear game plan and how we didn't change things when we hit that 50 to 60 minute period where it started to become pretty clear momentum was building for the Welsh. You've spoken in the last few episodes about how England have shown two different game plans in the first two matches, and maybe we have a third or fourth game plan up our sleeve. Two, well, either we don't or we decided not to deploy it in Cardiff. I don't think only having two game plans is necessarily a bad thing, but what is a bad thing is not recognising that the Paris game plan of kicking behind isn't working against someone with the quality of Liam Williams. Imagine how good he'd be if his legs were on straight. So it's time to switch to the Dublin game plan of big ball carriers, quick ball and Manu coming around the corner. Against France, we kicked while going forward and with attacking intent. Against Wales, we kicked while static and the chase didn't happen. When we did put the ball through hands, we looked dangerous, but we only got fleeting glimpses of it this time around. Before the game, the pundits were asked when looking at the England subs, who on the bench had the ability to change things if needed. The best they could come up with was Ellis Genge. I mean, no disrespect to Genge, he's a... Great player, but a prop isn't going to fundamentally shift your game if that's what you need. A Cipriani might, but a Corbin visit to the to the Wailing Wall seems more likely than Danny joining this squad under Eddie before the World Cup. If we don't have a player on the bench who can change the system like Wales did with Anscombe and Bigger, the latter of which had a huge impact once he got on, we need the players to be agile in their approach within the 80 minutes. As soon as a team shows they can defend and counter-attack our tactical kicking, or if the chase isn't working, we need to recognise this uh, and put the ball in the hands of Billy, Manu, Sinclair, Mako, etc. These are big guys who know, uh, who we know will get us moving forward uh, and cause the kind of disorganisation in the defensive line that led to Tom Curry's try. Looking forward to the next episode and hopefully hearing your thoughts on some of the above. Dave, P.S. 
The best man at my wedding next year is Welsh and currently intolerable. Presumably, I leave my fiancé, burn down the wedding venue and leave the bachelor's life from now on to avoid having to see him again. Question mark. <laughs> it's a... Uh... So, so it's, I know first, it's a long one, but I thought it was so well written. I wanted to read it out in full. I, well, yeah, yeah. F- firstly, Dave, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't see any other options. Uh, but, there isn't another but, option. But, <laughs> there, there isn't another option. I would, I would maybe suggest stick with the fiance and leave the Welsh best man. But at least, you know, at least until the end of the Six Nations, and depending on what happens <laughs> in the final game. Exactly. Um, Wow, that was good, wasn't yeah. it? Firstly, thanks very much. Thanks very much, Dave. That, that was, uh, we, you know, we appreciate um, we appreciate the support of the pod. And, and wow, that that was not only seemed incredibly knowledgeable, but uh, politically topical as well, which is always <laughs> nice. Very good. Um, yeah, I I don't think there's anything I disagree with there. I mean, there are a few questions. So he wanted to know, uh, I think. I'm trying to flick back through it. I mean, so what do you, I mean, I, I agree about, you know, obviously England needed to change their game plan. I mean, we, as I say, we're going to go into this. Um, and I think a big part of what we'll talk about is, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the media saying England are one dimensional. Um, but I, I don't see how you can say that because as I said in the last episode, as he points out, you know, remembering hearing us say in the previous episodes, England had two completely different tactics uh, not completely different. They 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 both had kicking at the heart of them, but very different against uh, Ireland and France. Um, and I don't think you need to have thirty thousand different tactical options. Um, you know, I, cu- I think a couple need to work, and you need to be able to evolve it on the pitch. That's the the most important thing. You can't go out onto the field and go right. We've got a game plan, and we're going to stick to it for eighty minutes because that's just never gonna that's never gonna work. It's certainly not in a World Cup where you've got to win seven or eight games on the bounce. So so the, the thing that got me and I thought I was I thought I was sneaking in with uh, an idea that no one else I'd heard suggest so far but what he said going down to Gloucester to visit his parents I assume he's from Gloucester and the Cipriani thing that's what I wanted to bring up today is I wanted to rear that head again is are we missing a trick not having Cipriani on the bench when you're losing, when you just need something new, something completely different, how different is George Ford to an Owen yeah. Farrell compared to a Cipriani? I mean, and I think yeah. that's it's, a great it's what, point. It's what we, I mean, it's what we kind of said going back to when we thought Cipriani was still in with a shout and we were kind of choosing between the two. That was the reasoning behind it. I guess, I guess if you're going to play devil's advocate and say, you know, it's all well and good saying in a situation like that, you, you want a Cipriani that you can bring on. But you're not going into a game anticipating a situation like that, or at least you're you're hoping that you're not going to come across a situation like that. And so, <clears throat> is it is it too much of a gamble to say you want a guy who you're probably not going to use? Rather, you know, uh, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's all well, in hindsight, it's easy to say, yeah, Cipriani might have been able to change that, and absolutely, he might have been. But yeah, you know, you're always going to have situations where you can say, well, what if we'd had him, or what if we'd had him? Um, I, of course. I just, yeah, I wonder whether, and and but, and I'm and I'm obviously assuming that England are gonna are gonna get back on track from the next game onwards, and big reason for that coming up. But um, I just wonder whether, under normal circumstances, a Cipriani, you know, to completely change the dynamic of a game is actually not what you're looking for. Well, I, to me, it's a risk reward factor. Firstly, Owen Farrell tends to play two minutes anyway. 
Secondly, I think <laughs> Simeone's a good enough player to play a, a steadier game. I mean, firstly, did you see Gloucester demolish Saracens at, at the weekend? Um, the score was actually a lot closer because Saracens got a couple of late tries. But I think George Ford, I think, is a brilliant player. And this is nothing against George Ford at all. I just think that having a Cipriani on the bench enables you to to adapt to those sort of situations which we saw against Wales, mm-hmm. whereas having a George Ford... Well, he's more like a bigger, isn't he? Yes, what, what, so. what Wales did when they brought down bigger on was bring someone on who could create something from nothing uh, and, t- and well, turn a game. Well, well to, to me, yeah. I, well, to, to, to me, bigger, like, that, that kick, fine, but, but bigger didn't necessarily come on and just change the dynamics of the game. I think the game was going that way. Bigger came on and sort of secured it and just a, a, it. almost enabled, whereas a Cipriani could come on and from nothing produce something. Whereas True. I'm not convinced a George Ford can do it in the same way. Maybe not. Cipriani. I think I think one thing we should probably um, point out, though, is of course we didn't bring George Ford on. And so... Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and, and again, it's something we're going to discuss um, when we get into the, the, the meat of this game. But if you've got the guys there on the bench and things aren't working on the pitch, you've got to be thinking, well, what, how do we change it up with what, with what we have available? Um, and that's, not, that's no disrespect to, to George Ford, but you know, it's all well and good saying Cipriani could have done this and could have done that. Well, we didn't have Cipriani. We had George Ford, but we didn't use him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he and, may and, well have been able to do something that that just wasn't happening at the time, you know, for for the team. Um, so I feel like, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a difficult one because England England found themselves in a position they didn't want to be in that they should, probably shouldn't have been in, um, and it then became a question of do you make major changes when the game is still this close? Because it's not like Wales suddenly ran away with it. I mean, they did kind of at the very end, but you know, when it started to turn, it was close. So you're part of you is thinking. Is now the time to change things up, or have the guys that have managed to keep us just ahead for the last sixty minutes are the one the ones we want to keep there to keep us just ahead, rather than risking bringing on a whole new setup and, and having a new tactics and and potentially throwing the game away? Because you know, had we made loads of changes and then that Welsh um, kind of onslaught had come at the end and we'd lost, we'd all be saying, "Why did you change it? It was working." You know, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's. Maybe it's one of those situations where it's lose-lose for the management team um, and, of course, for the, for the team itself. Well, well, that's, that's <clears> actually that's an interesting point because that was something I wanted to bring up. What we've also got to bear in mind, the game wasn't out of our control till the 77th minute yeah. when they got cross-field kick. So it, it's all very well. Yes, it was clear that we weren't playing that well, but there was still... So I wonder... Actually, let's go for reviews because I've got a slight theory which I will uh, bring bring to light later, but okay. also uh, cover some of uh, Dave's stuff. But Dave, thanks so much for that review. I've, yeah. re- I've enjoyed that one. Strong, strong. Dave, get over to uh, to, to um, iTunes. Drop us a review on there because that'd be awesome. Uh, clearly a fan. Love that. Um, speaking of reviews, we have got a couple more. Another new one. Uh, another five stars. This is from Foster W. Sore heart, but thankful. He uh, he starts it with. He says, for years I've watched England play rugby and looked to the people around me to share in my joy, bafflement and heartache. Often all I found was disappointment or disingenuous sympathy. Anti-rugby fans, whole other topic. 
But this Six Nations, <laughs> I searched the world of podcasts and I found you, the holy rose-tinted glasses. I too saw Mako with his hand under the ball. I too thought Marrow uh, take, was taken out in the air. Finally, I found others who see the game in the same way. So although England may have broken my heart after the early Valentine's Day gifts, I'm still thankful the Six Nations has led me to your pod. I'm looking forward to your take on the Wales loss. If you focus on how good Wales were, it will take a lot of the edge off uh, as it's a very real pain I'm feeling. Yes, we can still win the tournament and let's be like Ireland and say we needed to lose to make us better. Love the pod and you guys are doing a great job. Foster W. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank nice. you very much. And I'm glad we have a kindred spirit. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, although I can't promise that we're going to focus on how good Wales were. That's, I'm just I'm putting that out there now. Uh, we'll see. We'll see whether, <laughs> which way that goes. Uh, we have heard back from our old friend, Wade Ackford. You remember Wade. He was the guy that, uh, that, that, that told us that England were rubbish, um, that they were, you know, Eddie Jones had to go, that they had no chance. Then England won a game and suddenly England were awesome. And he was loving life and, and loving the pod. Um, to be fair to him, five stars have remained, which is awesome. However, he says, Welsh downfall two. Gents, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. England were never going to rock up in Cardiff and roast Wales by 20 points. They just never were. I said so, Zippy, and I'm not a management accountant. I think he meant consultant. Just a realist. They are good, they're a good-ish team that's made progress in the last six months. However, the hype generated by a fine performance over the Irish and a defeat of a French team that my club side, the OAs, would have given a game to does not make them the All Blacks, I'm afraid. However, this loss may be a good thing to lower expectations and learn lessons before Japan. Areas for you both to consider. One, Eddie Jones does not genuinely trust his key replacements. England are running out of ideas and gas in the second half. On that basis, you must change scrum half and fly half. These are the substitutions that change the pattern of the match, e.g. bigger influence. Jones clearly has doubts about Ford and Robson, but the change in tactical terms uh, was essential. Neither Faz or Youngs were having good games, uh, so roll the dice as there was nothing to lose. If Jones doesn't trust those on the bench, he must pick Kerr and Cipriani as subs. Um, they will change the game. Uh, it may not work, it may not win the game, but it is a different problem for the opponent. Dice roll. Two, a related point is there's too much pressure on Faz to run the game. Uh, oh, I've lost my way. It's so long. The captain, uh, to run the game, captain the side and change the tactical plan if required. This is, a, uh, this is affecting his general play. He's the key influencer in the side and he was not up to his high standards. A major concern. My team talk if playing against England would be get a Farrell, get a Farrell and win, the, oh, get at Farrell and win the game. England need to address this quickly. He needs leadership around him. If the kick game isn't working, the leadership team need to change it quickly in-game. Play with your heads up, England. Spread the burden of leadership and decision-making. Three, if you pick Manu, use him. Feed the beast. Uh, he only works as a decoy if, it's used, if, if he's actually used on occasion uh, on a short ball. The one time he received the ball in some space, he broke three tackles. Four, Sinclair. He actually had a great game if you watched the tape. Keep the edge, but cut the theatrics. He only attracts the ref with the clowning around, and uh, Jaco Piper has, was itching to penalise him. Love the player, keep the aggression, cut the Hollywood. Five, passion. It all looked a bit mechanical. You can't win a game on emotion alone, but Wales looked more up for it. Uh, I could go on, but you, have an, uh, you only have an hour's pod, so I won't. Uh, this is not a disaster, but it really is a learning opportunity, a reality check. Wales really deserved the win. They brought passion and looked the fitter team in the last 20, a worry. Keen to hear your balanced views, chaps. Best WD. So some of his um, points I don't disagree with. 
I agree with a lot of what he says. Yeah. Not all of it. Uh, I, agree. I, I think I agree with most. The thing I don't agree with is that um, England is... Uh, maybe I'm doing him a disservice here. I, I don't Goodish. think England is something bad. Um, I... I, I think a lot of what he says makes a lot of sense. I mean, the most important thing, if he's not a management accountant or management consultant, what we think in HR? That sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> Possibly HR. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, Recruitment no, consultant. I, I, oh, <laughs> hell no. Um, let, let's, what, I think, yeah, what, what, what am I trying to say? Sorry. I, I no one knows, Dan. No I, one knows what you're trying to say. And it's a few points I really agree with him there. Um, and I think this is a major issue. Eddie Jones does not seem to trust Dan Robson. I agree with that. Yeah. If things aren't going well, do change your nine and ten because Ben Young's and Owen Farrell, and as great players as they are, and I am not looking to slag them off because I think they're brilliant players. They did not have great games. They had ball kicking game. You, you need to trust in your subs. I, yeah. I completely agree. You need to trust in your finishers. Um, so Dan Robson, that thing. And this is nothing against Dan Robson. Why pick him if you're not planning on actually playing him? If you're not, uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. And well, and, and go back to the to the South Africa tour when he took Dan Robson and never used him. Um, yeah, it's it is a bit strange. Like if you're if you're not if you yeah, if you're not confident in the guy, then I I hundred percent agree. You know, you've got a Danny Care who's done this many many times before and, and knows exactly what's expected of him. It it does it does. Concern me slightly that in a situation where, and I know I, I kind of talked it from the other the other point of view a moment ago, but you know, I don't agree with what Wade is saying. Regards, you've got nothing to lose because absolutely we had something to lose, as you just pointed out. The game didn't really get out of control, you know, out of our hands until the seventy eighth minute or seventy seventh minute. So we had a lot to lose by making big changes, um, and. I genuinely think if we'd made the changes and it hadn't had an impact on the game, we'd all be sitting here now saying, why the hell did he make all these changes when the guys that were on the pitch were in touching distance? Because that just seems to be the way that fans react these days. Um, but but I think the changes needed to come sooner. But but yeah, it, it needs to be a tactical decision, not a take. let's just take a chance, what have you got to lose? The point is, is with the strength and depth that England have, you know, we we should have a 23 that's practically interchangeable. And so it shouldn't matter. If, if one's not working, you just say, okay, well, tactically we're going to change. And it's not going to change anything about the team because they're all so well drilled and they're so used to playing together that one can slot in and replace the other and we don't have to worry. Um, obviously, you're going to have star players um, and it's an, it's important to have that. And Owen Farrell is one of those. Um, but even star players are still, believe it or not, human. Um, and I think Owen Farrell had one of his very, very rare poor games. And in my opinion, it was a really poor game. And I, I, I think that a lot of the, a lot of the fault, of the result of that game comes down to him. So, so I, I, I don't slightly disagree. But just to play devil's advocate, I've also got a slight theory on this. So. I think that a lot of the time, the coaches might have said, this is our game plan. If we stick to it from analysis, we will win. And perhaps Owen Farrell's playing that card. I'm not saying he's right to have done it, but perhaps he's playing that card thinking, if they have doubts, they'll make changes. And because they didn't, 
he potentially just stuck to that game plan. But that's pretty based upon... that's pretty naive. I mean, one of the things Wade I talks about is people. is that Owen Farrell needs uh, leaders around him to 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 make the decision to change tactics. Well, Owen Farrell's the I, captain I of that. Owen Farrell's the captain of that team. You know, yeah, he is he is the he, most the most senior in the in the leadership hierarchy in that team. So he should be the first one saying we need to change things. The fact that he's the one kind of effectively controlling those changes as the puppet master in the middle. I mean, look, to, yeah. back, to back this up, I, I, did, I did a little bit of stat analysis. I had a quick look at some of the stats of the game. And from an attacking perspective, all right, we take our midfields, two lagging Slade in the first two games, they showed what, what, they, what they're made of and, and we were all singing their praises, right? They made uh, 97 metres between them. They did it with 12 runs, right, 12 breaks. Um, so that's an average of what eight eight meters a break, something just over eight meters a break. Hadley Parks and Jonathan Davies, the the equivalent on the Welsh side, uh, exactly the same amount of distance, ninety seven meters, but it took them seventeen runs to do it. So, you know, England made a lot of ground. I mean, t- actually, I thought too laggy because of that one break. It kind of sticks out. Was the was the one that really you know, was underutilised, which he was. He only had five breaks in the entire match, made 34 metres, an average of nearly seven metres a break. Henry Slade, only seven breaks, 63 metres, an average of nine metres per break. Those stats tell me that these guys need ball in hand. Yeah. Um, And I think the key thing, when looking at the previous performances, the key thing about the kicking game, well, two things, actually. Um, One, it works because you almost alternate you almost want to alternate between kick, put it in hands, kick, put it in hands, because that way the defence is constantly guessing. If all you do is kick from the very beginning of the game to the very end of the game, they don't need a blitz defence. They can just hold, sit back and wait for you to kick it because they know exactly what you're going to do. Now, coming on to the kicking game itself, if we look at the success of the kicking game in the previous two games, it was always little kicks along the ground through gaps for Johnny May or, or Noel or someone to run onto, right? Give, give, him a, yeah. give him a direct foot race. For some reason on Saturday, everything went up in the air. And it's, it's always going to be more difficult to, to turn it into a foot race, especially against someone of the quality of Liam Williams, when it's about the challenge in the air. And given all of the sort of issues that surround that and the risks of taking someone out in the air and, and cards and penalties and everything else, I don't really understand why the kicks weren't going along the ground into space and giving Johnny May that opportunity to to try and just basically outpace the his opponent, like he did when he kicked it himself at the end of the first half. Um, that, that part of the, the kicking game confused me. Because it was totally different so, to what we'd seen prior. Yeah, I, I think part of it, we were almost a downfall of our own previous success with the kicking game, because it had worked so much. But, it, but that's almost, my point. It wasn't the same. Yeah. It wasn't the same tactic. It was it was a kicking game, but it but, was much more of a sort of look, just kick the ball away, stick it yeah, down their throats, was, and let them have another let them have another another attack. Like, I know I that the was, game plan is about not you know it's not a possession tactic you know you know you're going to have a, a low possession percentage when you play that kind of game but um i didn't feel like it was utilized as an attacking threat it was it was it seemed to be purely a defensive one but as uh as dave said in the, in the first review like um 
and and by the way, sorry if it's David, but <clears throat> I, I'll stick with David now. But it is, as Dave. Said, it is Dave. Oh, good, good. Against Ireland, the kicks, we were on the front foot because we had the likes of Tirilagi coming around the corner, taking the crash ball. Against Wales, I felt we were less on the front foot when we were doing the kicks. And I think that's a, the key aspect. Like we, When you're on the front foot, those those kicks are a lot easier. And, and I agree with you, mate. Like They were all just aerial bombs, which the Welsh dealt with very well. Yeah, And they dealt with in pods as well, which meant that it was a lot harder for us to attack those kicks. Yeah, no, they did. They, they handled it well. And actually, you know, England have shown in two matches that there's a tactic that works. And why wouldn't any team go, OK, well, it worked. Let's look at how, why, why aren't we doing that? And very quickly, they're going to... And Eddie Jones said this, you know, teams will very quickly see what we're doing and, and they'll, come, they'll come up, they'll find ways to, to deal with it, which they did. But he also said in all the build-up, you know, it, it's about working out where the gaps are. And so when, the, when, when they're defending the kicking game, they're creating space elsewhere. And that's all well and good, but you've got to attack that space. And we didn't attack that space once, really. I mean, we did. We, we, we had that one good break from Manny Tuolagi, which was awesome. We broke three tackles, you know. And we all thought, okay, here we go. We're turning it, we're turning it on now. Um, and then that was the only one he got. Obviously, a couple of breaks from others, a, f- a few little moments of individual um, kind of magic to, to just get us all a bit firing again. But I just... The, there didn't seem to be any plan outside of the thump the ball in the air, up the field. Um, and you could argue that, you know, had the kicks been a little better and then we, you know, make them more competitive. But even then, I mean, there were, there were a number of times actually where Johnny May was the first man to the ball and he flicked it back, but he'd got ahead of the Welsh defence. So when he flicked it back, he flicked it into their hands and they were, it was open play, so they weren't offside. And so he just gave them back possession. That's not a that's not a complaint at Johnny May, but it's like if if the ball's in the air, he you know it's much harder for him to actually take the ball when he's chasing it at that kind of pace. Put it on the ground, yeah. he can dive on it, or he can chip it through and keep going because yeah. the guy's so quick. Uh, I don't know why the ball was constantly in the air. Um, and again, unfortunately, only Owen Farrell can make the decision to do that to to put to put those kicks in. Um, and and he and, and Owen Farrell was the one that. that made the, the decisions regularly not to let Tuolagi take the ball in hand, not to give the ball to Slade in hand um, and utilise the, the 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 guys and what they can do in attack because we we know that they're great with ball in hand. We've seen it. I just, yeah, it, it boggles the mind a little bit. And I, I kind of felt as well, watching the interviews and things afterwards, I kind of felt like Owen Farrell didn't know why Owen Farrell hadn't done it. He almost felt surprised himself at why he'd had such a bad game. Um, I mean, interesting, yeah, the, the Mail on Sunday, right? The Mail on Sunday, as they always do um, when they reviewed the game, and, and pretty much every Welsh fan has since commented on Twitter about how the guy who writes the article clearly knows nothing about rugby. I would argue he probably knows a little bit if he's got a job writing about rugby, but what do I know? Um, anyway, he's, he scored all the players, um, as they do. Um, and interestingly, in, in most cases, the English player scored better than than his Welsh counterpart. Um, Owen Farrell didn't. He, he scored a 6 out of 10. Um, and yeah, I thought he had a really poor game. But I guess if you look at it, you know, Tuolagi, you can only do, you know, what deal with what's in front of you, right? Exactly. He he didn't do anything wrong. It's no, not his fault. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. That there weren't the, Most of the England team didn't do anything wrong. The ones who ordinarily 
shine and do things right and do you know and create opportunities and score points weren't given the opportunity to do what it is they normally do um and unfortunately that comes from i mean you cannot you can say that that's a tactic but i i go back to that point about if we're going into games saying we've got a tactic and we're going to play it for 80 minutes no matter what that seems like a massive backward step you know i thought what's what's key about this team is that they've evolved together and they have that ability to identify. You can go in with a tack, with a, with a game plan for sure, but you need to be able to change it on the fly. Um, and that's what was missing in Wales. I, I, mate, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and and I'm not saying that was the tactic. That was just perhaps a theory of mine. Because one thing we do need to remember is, um, <clears throat> it did kind of sneak up on us. But it's not as if. At 60 minutes, we were like, oh, my God, we're in trouble. We're losing. Because I think at 60 minutes, we're winning. Uh, yeah, we, well, we, we are winning on the scoreboard. But yeah, I think... See, this is this is the other thing that frustrates me, is that I, I, I genuinely think that first 60 minutes, given a couple of slightly different decisions to mix it up, to utilise those guys, I think we could have put the game to bed in the first half. Agreed. But we didn't. You know, we kicked away our opportunities. You know, when Johnny May had that little break uh, just before the first, the, the end of the first half, and we got and we won the line out, um, sort of seven or eight meters out, and Farrell kicked cross field and kicked into touch. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I don't think that was the right call. I think there was. Did did we have a chance? I may be wrong here, but I think there was a chance where we could have um, where we could have taken the points there. Uh, no, 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 we didn't. There were none of those. He was. He's been pretty good at uh, taking points when they're on offer. Uh, because I th- yeah, I agree. I think that kick was. It was ambitious. I guess they're going for if we score this, but equally you've got to look. Generally, though, sure I, f- I feel like those kicks are for penalty advantage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And unless they're free, unless they're free and open, that's a penalty advantage kick. You know, it's kicked to nothing. If it pays off, great. Yeah. If not, you've got the penalty. Uh, but it wasn't at that point. It was an open play kick, and it didn't. It, you know, look, fair enough. You can't get them right every time. He didn't get it right on that occasion, um, and and didn't pull the kick off. But it's just another example of where opportunity present potentially presented themselves following some awesome rugby from Johnny May, another player who had a great game. Um, albeit he didn't. Get, he wasn't given very much to do, um, and I think that's that's half the problem. People say, people will almost say, oh, "Johnny game, Johnny May didn't have a great game because he didn't score three tries off the fact, off Owen Farrell kicks." Well, Owen Farrell didn't give him the kicks that he could score tries off. You know, he scored three tries that where he dived on the ball over the line because his pace was outrageous, and Farrell waited a kick perfectly along the ground, gave Johnny May a foot race. That didn't happen in this game. Um, you know, you look at the forwards. I mean, this guy gave. And I wouldn't disagree with him. He gave Tom Curry a 9 out of 10. That was the highest scoring player on the field. Um, and he was awesome. Kyle Sinclair, and we're going to do a whole bit on this because that's starting to wind me up. Uh, you know, he had 16 tackles before he was taken off. It was it was mammoth. He had um, 20 before he was taken off. Sorry, 16 in the first half. Yeah. He, um, um, so, so first, firstly, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll hold off on the Kyle Sinclair bit. Tom Curry, to me, and... I don't think I'm ever saying this. That's one of the best England seven performances I have seen in years. Possibly I thought he was absolutely ever. immense. Yeah, he was. He was immense. And and that, you know, there was a moment in those early stages where you thought this game's going one way. Um, you know, the intensity was there. 
Uh, and, I, and I felt like the forwards created quick ball. Uh, they were aggressive in defence. They were aggressive in attack. They made ground. I mean, Billy Van Apola made something like 54 metres um, from, from, uh, from, his, from his breaks, which is huge. Um, what was the equivalent? I mean, yeah, Van Apola and Curry between them, 75 metres versus Tipperick and Moriarty, 46 metres. You know, so they had an immense game creating front football. And, you know, we know front football is recipe for do some awesome shit in the backs. <laughs> and every time the backs got the ball, it was kicked away. So yeah. I, I feel like a lot of hard work and some really strong performances from from the, you know, well, the front eight, <laughs> all of them, um, was wasted. And so, again, you look at the team and you say, oh, the result was poor, therefore the team must have been playing badly. Unfortunately, it keeps it keeps coming back to one man and the decisions that he's making. Um, so I hate to say it, but I, I genuinely think that Owen Farrell um, was a was a massive factor in England losing that game. Um, and I don't believe it's something we'll see from him again in a very long time. Um, but I just think he had a horrible, horrible day, and nothing came. You know, nothing was working, and he was just you know maybe he just he just wasn't seeing the game the way that he normally does and. Um, and I think that is the point where Eddie Jones needs to say, I don't know what's going on, but something isn't right with him. He's not, you know, maybe his pet hamster just died or something. Who, who knows? Something's not right. It's not It's not coming together. Or nibbles. Bring, bring on George Ford. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe George Ford isn't as good as Owen Farrell at 10, but he probably would have been last Saturday. Yeah, I... I, I mean, and we'll be clear because you and I have spoken about this. We are not, we're, we're not slagging off Owen Farrell as a player because no. we know he's a world class player and we want him in the team every time. Yeah, absolutely. But he, it wasn't one of his, it wasn't one of his better days. As I think you described him, even demigods are fallible. But what he needs to do is now change into an actual god like Johnny. And make sure that never that never happens, happens again. again. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. ha- from what I from what I hear, it's once every ten years. So at least he's got <laughs> well, his out the way. Um, would have been better if he'd done it with a, you know in a friendly or something. But sailor V. Um, but yeah, look, bottom line is if, if we look at the Welsh individual performances, I don't think there was anything spectacular. Uh, I thought Liam Williams. Liam Williams was great at, at, at fullback, and, but and, but and, and actually, I thought uh, Navidi was brilliant as well. I mean, statistically, it, there was nothing. There was nothing special about about what he did. I mean, uh, I, I thought he slowed down ball a lot. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I suppose yeah. My the, the statistics don't don't cover that. But then, but again, I don't feel like England had slow ball. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of the time they had quick ball and they quickly kicked it away. It, it was, um, sometimes it was painful. There was, there were times we said about penalty count, like only, what was it? Nine to three. I mean, three, three is absolutely amazing from Wales. Well done. Yeah. Nine is not bad. Nine's great. Look, we've always said single figures. Penalties. Yeah. I still think there were three or four penalties that were pointless. I think some were unfair. Yeah, well, let's, let, this is probably the perfect. Yeah, perfect point to go to talk about Kyle Sinclair. Do we want to do reviews or should we do Kyle first? Let's do Kyle first. Re- reviews are done. Unless oh, you've got oh any... sorry, was it? Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Oh. 
I, I felt I, I felt I felt like twenty minutes ago when we started talking about the game, we we moved off reviews. <laughs> Um, but uh, but but yeah. And if you've got any new reviews that I haven't uh, come across yet, then by all means. Well, there were some Facebook messages, but <laughs> I don't have the hand, so uh, we'll, we'll organise as we'll... ever, aren't we? <laughs> Thanks very much. So so yeah, I mean, Kyle Sinclair. Given that we're talking about penalties, um, and he's obviously a bit of a talking point at the moment, um, I, I want to start by saying, please, if you're an England fan, and I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to this podcast. Can we get off the guy's back? Like, it's one thing to see Welsh players choosing to to hate him. Um, the guy's awesome. Okay, and all of the the build up to the game where he was being kind of highlighted as a potential problem area for England because of his erratic behaviour and he's a bit of a wild card and all this stuff. A lot of that was um, Warren Gatlin pointing the finger. Let's not forget, Warren Gatlin selected him as a, as a Lion in his starting 23, three test matches out of three, to beat New Zealand. So Warren Gatlin, it, it was 100% mind games from him because he clearly rates the, play, rates the guy. Um, fair play to Warren Gatlin, fair play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. But let's not jump on that bandwagon as England fans. Let's say, hang on, no, he's awesome. Look at that tackle count. Look at the, the effort that he puts in. The fact that he stands up to... Alan Wynne Alan Wynn Jones has been around a long time. He's no Martin Johnson. And when he, you know, laughs in the face of an England player and kind of palms him off as, as you know, being a, a junior or whatever it was that he tried to do, I, I want to see that England player get up in his face and say, no, thanks. Um, it's almost like people think, oh, you know, Alan Wynne Jones, he's a, he's a rugby legend. No one should, should get in his face. Therefore, Carl Sinclair is clearly an aggressive, you know, little boy who doesn't know what he's doing. No, he's saying, "I don't care who you are," and, and I like that. I I 100% agree with that. And for the record, I thought Carl Sinclair was Carl Sinclair was absolutely brilliant. He was, and it was a hell of a performance. There are times where, and, and none of the insecure chamber where theatrics perhaps where he's like slapping the back and the right, which is a bit. It, it's unnecessary. I want to see him get in the face, but maybe not so visibly. Maybe just, you know, learn the dark arts a bit more and do <laughs> yeah. it a bit, a bit more slyly. Um, but, but I think, one... I think he's, he's capable, he, you know, he does it anyway, right? Massive hits, uh, being aggressive yeah. with ball, you know, as a ball carrier. So he is, to be fair, he's doing a lot of it already. You're right. Let's lose the unnecessary, you know, slapping. I mean, when you say slapping the back of the ruck, no, so, so I mean, if a well plays in, it's just a bit visible. It's just a bit in the rest phase. Um, yeah, you do need to be aware that you have clearly been targeted by the media, and therefore, unfortunately, there's you know there are certain referees that will buy we'll into buy it. they'll buy into it. Yeah, there 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 are certain referees that won't, um, but there are certain ones that that will buy into it, and unfortunately, that does shine a bit more of a light on you. Um, but that doesn't mean you stop doing what you're good at and you stop doing what you're doing. And I think if we can get a performance out of him, you know, and it's 60 minutes, 50, 60 minutes, and then we start to think mm, he might start to create problems and then we take him off, so be it. Because the performance he's put in has been absolutely outstanding. It's worth it. Yeah. A- anyone who's having a go at casting that didn't, w- didn't watch the game because he was brilliant in that game. He's a brilliant player and I would have him in the team every time. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, 
England fans, we, we need to get behind him. I, th- I think that's I, I want to talk um, about the penalties. Let's not forget that you know he won us a penalty in front of the sticks for the opening points. Um, then the three penalties that he did give away, and I can't remember all of them. One of them was was two of them kicking. No, one of them was was I think. I don't remember what they all were for. The only one I could, that sticks in my mind because it just annoyed me was the, uh, the 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 high tackle. It was called in the middle of a, a, a mall. He's obviously trying to keep the Welsh player with the ball, who happens to be Alan Winge Jones, in the air. Nice, you like nice. that? Yeah. He's he's trying to obviously yeah. keep him in the air, stop him from going to ground, so that it's you know it can become a ruck and they can get over the top and, and win the ball back. So he's holding him, say, round the chest. Wins Jones is trying to is trying to get get on the floor, so he's wriggling around trying to work his way down. So inevitably, at some point, he's going to work his way down to to, to the point where his you know, the, the person holding him has his arms around the neck area. He then immediately turns to the referee and he's slapping Sinclair's hand, saying, "Ref, ref, look what he's doing! Look what he's doing!" Um, now, maybe that is a penalty. You know, maybe that is just the rules of the game. It's not cynical play by Sinclair. It's not a uh, that that to me is not an example of an erratic of erratic behaviour that causes problems. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. But you know you're in the middle of a mall in an aggressive physical game. It's just I don't know. To, to me, that's that's not something that we need to be concerned about. That's not something that he is doing because he's a a, a certain type of player that's that's going to genuinely you know, regularly create penalty opportunities for the opposition. Um, so I. I watched that just before we came back. To me, it's not a penalty at all. So I agree. He's holding the player up. The player's trying to get to ground. And I watched it again. Firstly, it's almost like a seatbelt. But he's not holding around his neck. He's what holding he's actually his doing is shirt at the front. His seatbelt and he's holding his shirt. Yeah. He's not in any way choking him. I mean, and maybe and that's credit. Maybe that's credit drop. to Win to Wynne Jones for having that kind of influence yeah. on a referee. Well, I, I think another thing is a referee sees anything near the net these days. Whistle goes. He's going to blow up. So perhaps there's a level of naivety. However, what, what's he meant to do? What's he meant to do? Let him turn it into a ruck so they get the ball? Or is he meant to fight to keep it into a mall? So to me, it's not a penalty. I understand why it was given, but in no way do I think he did anything wrong there. No, and I think most importantly is is the question of people saying that he's a liability. That's not, oh, no. a, that's not an example. That's not like slapping someone on the head and getting a, and getting a penalty or back chatting the ref and getting a penalty. That, it's not that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to just chill anyone who's still on, the, on, the, you know, on, on his back about the way he plays rugby and let's focus on the positives, which are huge. Um, because, yeah, he is, he's awesome. And when we get Mako back, uh, and with the way Jamie George is playing at the moment, yeah, we've got a really strong front row. Yeah, we're, we're, we're brilliant on front. I, I, I had no issue. There's no part of me that, uh, there's no part of me that would want to change anything about Sinclair. There, there's just, we there's not. I love any part. We salute you, sir. Keep doing what you're doing. We, we certainly do. We certainly do. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, do we know? Because we've obviously lost. We've now lost um, Courtney Laws. Now, yeah. two, two of the awesome foursome obviously remain. Do we know when Itoje is back? If he's back, so, from the Six Nations. 
I believe he's he's probably I believe he's potentially back for the next. I I don't know this actually, but is he potentially back for Italy? I mean, if he is, awesome because obviously you know if we can always have three of the awesome foursome available, that's that's ideal. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's less it's less of a concern. But I am seeing right now Itoje in line for Italy return, so um, that obviously is one good. Um, I think I think I means. would personally probably rest him for that game or put him on the bench. Well, I think you have. I think you you have him on the bench. Well, I suppose you, otherwise you've got who you got Charlie Yules. He's, he's a great player. Um, I'm not sure I would rest him though because I think I feel like you you want to get him you want to get him back into the game again right. if he's fit. He's passed all the tests. Um, you want to get him the match, the match fitness, and you know that he, he's he's got the experience to not have to you know work up to it, um, having only had a couple of weeks off. Um, so yeah, possibly you, you you start him on the bench. It wouldn't be the worst Assuming impact player to bring on. Yeah, of course, but you know they're not going to they're not going to even consider it unless he these days. I think players, you know, it's not like it used to be where he, well, he's seventy percent, so we're playing him, but you know he's not going to be his best. These days, you're a hundred percent, or you're not you're not included. And there's a very specific kind of benchmark, isn't there? They run specific tests, and either you pass or you fail. <clears throat> yeah, I yeah, exactly. I mean, I just there's part of me, yeah, definitely don't start him. I'd say have him on the bench, maybe get a bit of game time just to get that match sharpness. But if not, that's not a major area of concern. Losing Courtney Laws is a big loss because he's a great player, and he's um, been playing unbelievably. Yeah, yeah, he really has. And it'd be great to see Laundry slot, though. I love Laundry. So maybe Cruz um, gets a rest. I oh, know. Well, well, I, Ch- I well see... Charlie Yules has been called up, so it's whether or not they use him or just send him back home again. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be annoyed if they use Charlie Yules because, like you say, with Marrow, I don't think it matters. If he doesn't play again against Italy and isn't involved, I don't think that means he can't come in against Scotland and still give a you know great performance yeah i i wonder what changes will be made well obviously that that will be the focus of our next episode which will be i think probably tuesday or wednesday next week um and build up to the game once we kind of put this one behind us <clears throat> but um yeah it'll be interesting to see uh we'll keep an eye on the media and and what, what's going on and, and hopefully we'll have a better idea but uh, there's a few players i think could could get a shot without without changing too much because i think it's important following the wales game the bulk of the the group is the same, and they get that opportunity to just get things back on track, even though it's against Italy. Um, I think if we did what Gatland did against Italy and made huge changes just just because we're assuming that Italy won't put up a a fight, um, one we might come to regret it. I don't think that I you know I don't believe that, but um, I, I don't think it's valuable in for the same reasons that I didn't think that Gatland should have made so many changes. Because I think it's important to see what the players that you're bringing in can do when the majority of people around them are the regulars. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like to see Robson start. Yeah, I think you could do swaps. So definitely, you could have Robson start. Uh, you know, um, you could have. I mean, potentially, you could start George Ford. Not sure that I would. I think Owen Farrell needs the opportunity to get out there and go. It was a bad day. This is this is what it what it meant it was meant to look like. Um, Cock and a Seager could start. Um, you yeah. could potentially give Johnny May a rest. I don't. I don't think we need to. to he, he, Johnny May, I don't think has anything to prove. So I, don't, I think resting Johnny May would be would be fine. Yeah. 
Um, and it's not like we don't have quality on the wing. If you had Cock and Seeger and Noel starting on the wings, you'd be all right with that. Um, you wouldn't be complaining, would you? Yeah. Um, who, who else? Yeah, I mean, we'll go through that. We'll yeah, go yeah we'll, do that, we'll do that next time. Um, so, yeah, anything else about this game that we want to discuss? Because um, I feel uh, like... I feel like the bottom line here, and we've made it pretty clear, we've supported it with some pretty strong rose-tinted arguments, uh, is that England are the better team, uh, better individual performances, but for some unknown reason, some sort of hex, um, something just didn't click on the day. I know what happened. And England uh, were robbed. That's basically what happened, right? I know what happened. Uh, Harry Potter's real, Hogwarts is real, and Eddie James pissed off Dumbledore. Uh, and uh, Dumbledore was like England Luzio, which nice. for any, uh, give me any young to use. out there. You give me something to use in the little show notes for the uh, description of the episode. Exactly. So, and any young lads out there, if you're trying to chat up women using Harry Potter lines, it's an absolute killer. So, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, joking aside, I genuinely feel like England threw that game away. And I'm sure lots of people will, you know, we've heard a few people saying Wales were awesome and they deserved the win. And we even said it at the end of the game. I don't believe that anymore. They did deserve the win. They did deserve They deserved the win. They deserved the win because England didn't deserve it, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I feel like England handed them the game. Um, And if you're going to do that, then you deserve to lose. And, you know, by default, therefore, the other team deserves to win. So that's my view anyway. And I'm sure it'll be a positive one with our listeners or our regular listeners, um, a less positive one with uh, with any anyone listening in the hope of gloating. But so, so right now, and I, I know the answer to this, before the Six Nations, we were saying we'd probably start Sam Underhill over Tom Curry. You oh, can't. You can't. You can't. But, now, can you? but Sam Underhill uh, would be a great guy to have on the bench even though you're not necessarily planning on changing uh tom curry um because i think if necessary you could just play both of them depending on what the game required it, they're both just immense players suddenly we we had a problem at seven and now now suddenly we've got two two world class seven i mean like, bottom line is sam, sam underhill's going to get injured because of the way he plays the game, so you know, Tom Curry. Did you not see him? Oh my God, the guy won't live till he's twenty-five if he keeps playing like that. More importantly, there are two of him. <laughs> there are two of him. <laughs> so, so you know, I know that they play six and seven at the moment, but I'm sure they can. They're interchangeable, and you know, how long before the England back row is Curry for Napolo Curry? <laughs> I mean, and that's uh, not taking anything away from Wilson, who's been awesome. But if, but if. Ben Curry is anywhere near as good as Tom Curry. Um, ben Curry is brilliant. Then, ben Curry then, is brilliant. Then you have but, to be but, you have to be going. Why have we not even seen this yet? Well, I I do think that Ben Curry is brilliant, but Mark Wilson at the moment is brilliant plus one. Nice, nice. Um, but you know, we it was uh, beginning of the Six Nations. In fact, before this game, we replaced Tom Curry. When we when we did our our combined team, we had Tipperick. Tipperick. Curry. I actually thought Tipperick had a good game. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was massively outplayed by Curry. Yeah, hugely. But that, but again, like like so many like for likes. If you if you were to go through that team, you know, 
go past Liam Williams because we, you know, he, Liam Williams wins, but you know, George North lose. Josh Adams had a great game. Who? Josh Adams, who scored their try. Yeah. The other winger. Yeah, I mean, um, Johnny May. I guess you'd have to say it wasn't utilised enough to to do it to to really have the opportunity to to shine, but didn't do anything wrong, and did well what he could in the in the limited amount of possession he had. Our midfield won the uh, certainly the statistical race, um, but again with what they had available to them, I thought our front five were awesome statistically. I mean, because they had more possession, we we obviously made more tackles, but. Um, so I don't know how you really compare like for like. Our back row we've just discussed one. Curry Curry won over Tipperick. Vunapola won over Moriarty. And I think um Wilson won over Navidi. So you know, right across the board, I feel like individually the players won their individual battles. Um tactically we just got it totally wrong. And we handed them the game. Bottom line. That that is the explanation. And that's why we're going to absolutely destroy Italy. We're going to destroy Scotland. Um, and Wales are going to get a shock when they come up against Scotland in Edinburgh because they're a different... Well, actually, no. See, the problem is here... It depends on who's... Scotland who's, have so uh, many injuries. Yeah, it depends I, who they've got back. I put a tweet out and Scotland have an injured team that's possibly stronger than their first team. It's definitely stronger than their first team. Um, uh, so, uh, hopefully, the, 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 um, the Edinburgh factor... Has you know, well, has an impact on the game. I, I think, think some of them will be back. I think Ireland, but I think Ireland, even though it's in Cardiff, I think Ireland might might ruin Wales's party. Ireland need a big performance. Imagine um, that could be. So yeah, I, I I I think we'll be celebrating winning the Six Nations come the end of you know come that final weekend. I agree. I agree. Um, and whilst we're on the Six Nations, I just want to quickly move to the Red Roses Six Nations. So England, Italy, both teams are unbeaten in the women's side. So that'll be a good match and well worth watching on Sky Sports. And I'm a West Sussex boy myself. And there's a new West Sussex lady playing for England called Jess Breach, who is actually at uh, Pulver and Titchener Rugby Club, two places very near where I was at school. And well, my old was, man played back in the day. He did for Pulver, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. So from... You know, got the connection. She has scored 16 tries in five test matches. Jeez. So, Jess Breach, you're a legend. Carry on. And Red Roses, we are 100% behind you. Has she, has she scored a silly number in one? Or has she got a hat-trick in every game? She got, she got six in one match. Wow. But then that's still 10 in four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, that's that's just brilliant. <laughs> Silly money, nice. Well, yeah. well, well done, Jess. Congratulations and congratulations to the ladies. Let's let's keep that um, unbeaten streak going, um, and, uh, and and yeah, that will be a, another Six Nations title. I think the under twenties, under twenty ones, the under twenties, they lost to Wales as well, didn't they, in the final minutes? But I don't know. I think they were unbeaten to the to that point. So I guess they're in a similar boat to the to the men. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen as much of the under-20s, I must admit, so I'm not entirely sure. Come on, lads. Let's get things back on track, right across, and, and ladies, right across the board. Um, and uh, and let's, let's take some Six Nations silverware home um, in a few weeks' time um, and send a little message back out to the rugby world saying, you know, some, something went wrong. Dumbledore stepped in. 
uh, but, <laughs> but he's he's since agreed to leave the Muggles to their Muggle sports, <clears throat> and um, he's got other stuff to worry about. Yeah, yeah, like Quidditch. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, weird, weird place to end the episode, but uh, it's, it's what happened, and, and I'm clearly not going to edit, edit it out. So uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, uh, anything else you want to add before we call it call time? No, I don't think so. Just I am still massively positive about where England are uh, leading up to the World Cup. England as a team, and I can't wait till we play Italy. And yeah, guys, well done, Wales. Uh, good win for you. Unlucky England, it's a hiccup, but by no we means still a disaster. Absolutely. Keep your heads held high, keep marching forwards. That World Cup is still in sight. That Webb Ellis trophy is still has still got our name on it. Um and before that, so is the Six Nations trophy. So let's go and uh, let's go and win that, please. Um we will be back next week um to discuss the build up to the Italy game. Um and obviously, if we've had, had any more comments from you guys, we'll obviously deal with those too. So get in touch at England Rugby Pod on Twitter and Facebook, or you can email us, englandrugbypod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, um, any questions you've got, etc. Um, head over to iTunes, drop us a review, give us a rating. Um, that's how we get noticed. Uh, we're ob- and obviously, we're trying to get as many people joining us with their rose-tinted glasses before the World Cup. Um, so uh, yeah come and join the party spread the word Um, thanks again for listening guys and we'll catch you next week